I'm Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. BJ from sunny California. Do we have you? How's it going? You nice. do. And then Boston's own Celtic pride, Levi Baxter. What's going on? Levi, what happened to your Celtics? They lost the World Cup. That's not how that works. I believe the United States as a country lost the World Cup. Uh, the Celtics just happen to be overrepresented there because they're an excellent team. I figured I'd go ahead and alienate BJ from the top with basketball conversation. Actually, um, I do have a uh, related topic to uh, Levi being a serious Celtics fan, which is, um, did you receive a t-shirt this week, Lee? Me? Yeah, from Amazon. I did. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, I got a Cory Booker t-shirt. Yeah. I heard you were throwing in your support behind uh, Cory Booker last week, so. <laughs> you did that? You gave me, you you sent me Cory Booker? 100%. So, so Terry, since you didn't God. expect that was from him or know that was from, from him, walk me through your mind state. When I, you open up the Amazon box and you see that t-shirt, did you think, may, I, I pulled a bender the two nights ago um, and guess I just ordered something or maybe it was a mistake? I thought I, I thought I made a mistake in trying to order something else. Because I'm always I, I ordered another T-shirt that came a day earlier, and I was like, "Did I screw up and somehow click on the Cory Booker shirt?" You guys have put me in a state now where I no longer ask any questions about things I receive in the mail. I mean, I've just I, the packages that show up, I've got no context for, I have any understanding of. Like, I opened, I, I, I had three packages here, and I assumed one of them was holding liquor because we were doing this today. I opened up the first one, and it's just a meat tenderizer. It's just a meat tenderizer that was just sent to me. Did one of you send me a meat tenderizer? Spencer, have you been beating your meat a lot? Oh boy. Uh, no, I don't. I did not send you a meat tenderizer. Okay, well, I'm about to mine through context to see why somebody sent me a meat tenderizer, or check my Amazon history and see if I accidentally. My money's on Doug. Uh, but yeah, I no longer really ask any questions anymore when just strange things show up. You've conditioned me to that effect. That is one of the my more favorite trends in our friend group that we have: the randomly ordering things on Amazon and just sending them to people. Yeah, BJ, I should have suspected. That might be you. And it was weird too, because I was like, well, I'm fully capable of either having too many drinks and ordering something or screwing up and ordering something. But I was like, when would I ever search for a Cory Booker shirt? Like, when would that even show up? <laughs> I'm not, I, I flip flop and I have, I've declared for different houses, but never, never Senator Cory Booker. All right. So, uh, Levi, it was, you have, um, some, an animal print tape. And uh, some other pattern. Uh, what should we start with? Uh, we're going to start with the very luxurious 1990s sort of uh, zebra print adjacent mm. tape. Like it. <laughs> Upholstery for a waterbed. That's exactly right. This this would absolutely be a comfort on on a waterbed in the 90s, and that person was killing it in the 90s. Sure. <laughs> Do you ever sleep on a waterbed? Uh, I never got the chance to sleep on it. Um, there was a a, a neighborhood friend um, across the street, and she had a waterbed. Um, and I thought that she was like the coolest person in the world. Um, did you ever do? One time. One yeah, time. a high school friend of mine whose parents had one. His parents went out of town, and I slept on it. And it, I, I, my neck hurt for like two weeks. It was awful. <laughs> so you started out old. I like that's it. it. 
that'd be an interesting sort of retrospective of like what happened to waterbeds like were they just crap to sleep on um if so how did they get so big like because it got got huge for a second there novelty i think it was i think it was novelty and infomercials mm. okay zebra print whiskey okay so is everyone can poured some and yep had a, had a little taste okay i shall try it now so this is Kayo whiskey. Uh, it's a Japanese whiskey. Um, so I, the last time we had a whiskey on the weekends, uh, Terry, I my hand and sort of like yelled at you a little bit because you you started buying, you sent us some, some Japanese whiskeys, um, which I started to do. I, I found this one and I was going to try to find some others and I had to had to pivot midstream. So we've got a Japanese whiskey for the first one and then something entirely different uh, for the second one. Um, so Spencer, what are your thoughts here? When I smelled it, I was a little bit nervous about it because it was a strong smell of almost like alcohol to the point of almost like an acetone kind of smell. I'm tasting it. It's interesting. It's got a complex flavor where it opens up like a like a light, almost like a caramel. First taste it, and then it gets really kind of like a deep, almost earthy flavor after that. This is something I really can only sip. It's got a very strong um, taste to it. But I enjoy it. It's an interesting mix of flavors for me. But I'm, yeah, this is fun. Interesting. So <clears throat> I'll give my assessment. It tastes very much like a scotch to me, but like a kind of light scotch. And I've been doing some research on whiskey. So look out, BJ, fucking stepping on your toes here. Um, but a lot of these Japanese whiskey companies, basically, or the, the, the companies that, that create Japanese whiskey, I was reading that they actually will will go to Scotland and will buy up, you know, distilleries in Scotland, and then they'll take like scotch that's like eighty percent made in Scotland and and put like twenty percent whiskey that was actually distilled in Japan, and then sell it as Japanese whiskey. I would not be surprised if this is one of those instances because that I think that earthy smell that you're or taste that you're you're referencing there, Spencer, is is peat. At least it smells that way to me, um, which would indicate to me that there's some level of scotch in this bj uh yeah i was um actually you, you reminded me that like japan is trying to delineate like made in japan scotch or made in japan whiskey meat it's not scotch obviously um and they're gonna have like three different ones where you know it's completely produced in japan it's something that's been blended in japan and something that's been uh, the barley or the uh, grain has been imported to Japan and then pretty much everything else is uh, done in Japan. And so, yeah, I, I would 100%, I was going to say this tastes like a Highland Scotch to me, maybe a Lowland, like something pleasant and mild. Um, I just don't get as much of the peat, but I, I think that's also because my, well, I was uh, digging out one of the whiskeys that they're um, going to send out probably for the uh, next episode. And, and that was further on that spectrum. So I was just uh, putting my nose in that one. So, but I'd say this is super pleasant. I like it. I would, this is like a, an evening whiskey for me. I don't think it, it'll do anything particularly harsh to a palate or anything like that. And something I'd be very happy sipping on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Good call, Levi. I think I like that better than either one we had last week, or last episode. I am 
extremely proud of you, Spencer. This, this is the whiskey that I didn't think that you would you would really be into, <laughs> and and that your palate is maturing. I'm very impressed. It has been a, a interesting process for me. It, it, it's funny you guys mentioned the scotch because this reminds me of how much I enjoyed that scotch that we had a few weeks back. But yeah, this I I have grown quite a bit since we started this podcast. I had a very <laughs> narrow range of what I enjoyed when we first began this, and it has broadened. Uh, there are still a few that I find utterly repelling, but this is in the approved category. So another thing I learned about Japanese whiskey um, is, and BJ, you probably know more about this than me, but I was reading that basically the Japanese work ethic is a very much incremental um, improvement work ethic. It's like, all right, we have to do a little bit better than you did last year. You can't do the same job twice. You have to continually get better. And that work ethic has flown into how they distill their whiskeys. And so like you have more variability year over year with Japanese whiskeys than you do with a lot of other types of whiskeys. You'll have, you know, the same, same brand, same label, same everything. If you buy it year over year, you may have radically different taste. Interesting. I, that doesn't surprise me. I actually didn't, uh, didn't know about. Uh, some of the recent uh, American and bourbon releases, and and I have a story for our our second uh, half of the episode for that. Um, but it's actually interesting that you say that because there was um, an interesting piece uh, that somebody was writing about how um, climate change has been, um, and basically that because everything's getting a little bit warmer, it changes how easy and cheap it is to produce barley and to produce essentially all the grains to uh, produce whiskey. And then it's also changing um, how whiskey gets aged. And so the seasonal changes and, and hot versus cold really impact on how much time the whiskey spends in the wood and, and things like that. And so the flavor that develops. And so that's been changing a lot, even over the past couple of decades. And so um, it's going to have interesting effects on the whiskey that we get to drink in the next 10, 20 years. And um, probably other than getting more expensive, it'll probably have different flavors. And so places like um, Makers and Buffalo Trace and stuff like that, that try and produce a very similar whiskey year over year might have harder and harder times doing so. Makes sense. Yeah, especially the aging, you know, when that whiskey is, is being absorbed in the wood coming back out, you know, with these various seasons. Um, yeah, I, I imagine that could mess with the amount of time that they want to age it if they're going to keep a consistent sort of product, right? Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. All right. Yeah, do we want to go to our on-brand segment? And then part two, we can do, I have a, a great story for part two, which I've teased. I drank 120-year-old whiskey. I'm going to talk about that <laughs> You can hear about that. Exciting times. Um, yeah, so uh, teasing us with your on-brand before uh, we actually started recording. So uh, maybe you can start. Yeah, so um, my on-brand of the week um, is not necessarily a discrete event. It is a mind state that went into a, to an event that's, that's recently happened. Whoa, so, look out. So... Uh, I um this past week I I've, I've been working on a project for work um that had been 
you know, pretty interesting, a lot of interesting new challenges, a lot of testing that I had to do, learn new things. Um, and so I'd, I'd, I'd been working, you know, later in the day. So not Spencer hours, but like normal <laughs> business person working a little bit late hours, like you work to seven, seven thirty, right? Um, that's, that, that's working late, not working till, till 3 AM. That's unreasonable, Spencer. Correct. Um, oh, when I'm doing it. So that's kind of not, different kind of work. You're not changing uh, the reaction here. Um, but anyway, so this past week, I working on this project, working a little bit late, you know, sort of trying to try to get a little bit extra time and and, and focus because it's hard to focus during the day on this. Um, and this, I think it was Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, my girlfriend Samantha was going to be gone. She was she was going to have dinner with a friend. Um, getting up that morning and thinking, huh, she's going to be gone, so I can just like work straight until about um, whenever um, until she gets back. And, and that was my default is like, I got this free time. I don't have to, I, I, I have no attachments. I have no, no obligations. I have nothing I need to do. I can just focus on this. Um, and I'm not depriving anyone of anything. I just, I can just you know, go crazy and pull a Spencer. Um, actually turn it, turn a Spencer because she got home at like 30 and I was just like head down. I was really, really in a zone Ended up working till about like 2:30 AM. Um, just grinding it out. And I, I realized in retrospect, Jesus Christ. The, my, my mindset very much was she left me for the night. She's abdicated any any ownership or or, or, or expectation about whether I'm going to come to bed at a reasonable hour or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 the next day, I, I really realized in my head, I, I just rationalized that very quickly and said, well, I mean, she can't get mad. I mean, she was gone until 830 or 10, you know, 10.30 or whatever. It's, it's really late, so I can stay up as late as I want. Um, <laughs> But I was literally just just sit, sitting in, in the spare bedroom, um, right, right near where Terry's going to stay uh, when he comes up and watches his Dallas Mavericks against my Celtics in November. Um, and I was just grinding away at stuff. Um, and I realized what an absurd leap of logic that I'd, I'd, I'd made in my mind to rationalize a unusual and unreasonable behavior, Spencer. Sometimes things are demanded of us. Sometimes that demand happens on a weekly basis, um, but you know, you deal with it. You sound like Mufasa. <laughs> Sometimes things are dementos. The new, uh, I'm all over the place here, but y'all see the new Lion King? No. No. It was good. It's the same movie, just, you know, why, why do I need to see it twice? Okay, all right, well, lead balloon with that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say, I find it interesting, Levi, that you... Um, get in the zone and uh, like i wish i had a little bit more of that because especially for a lot of the work that i do that involves and and like bother the or graduate student or, or tech or being like, all right, what are you doing? Like you, you doing anything interesting and then sit back down and try and focus again. But like, I just, for whatever reason, don't have that hyper focus that Spencer, I feel like you especially get that, that it's just like, all right, you know, 16 hours in, you're just like, yeah, I may as well just put in another eight hours and finish it up. Yeah. BJ, I'm right there with you. I, I don't have that gear either. I'm, my strength is actually, being pulled in 20 different directions. Like I can deal with the sort of chaos of in this meeting out, people calling in your office, but like the sit down and like crank something out for four or five hours, I really don't do well with. 
The, the problem with that mindset, though, is that it's really off and on of where I can crank something out for, you know, 10 hours straight. That's fine. But if I'm not in that mindset, I just won't do it. There's no, I'll work for a little bit and then come back to it. There's get it done now or not at all. That's the only option. 100%, which is why I, I do occasionally go on these these sort of binges of just like head down, let me work from from 7 p.m. until midnight, till till 1, just because something done. Because it, it, it happens, and I, I sympathize with you, Spencer, because it, this does happen more often in, in the evening time. There's nothing happening. There's no distractions. Mm -hmm. You're you're getting a little bit exhausted and you're a little bit tired, but that almost sort of revs up your your, your interest and you're like, I, I, I need to stay focused on this. And there's like a you lose the sort of anxiety or sort of distractions that come throughout the day by, by being, being more tired and, and sort of grinding out at night, at least for me. Oh, um, yeah, so. There was a magic time around midnight of where everything else is, everything else is stopped. Magic time. <laughs> I, so that's very interesting. You say that Spencer, cause I, I, I do remember like some of my most, feeling at ease in the world experiences that I've ever had in my entire life came at like 5.36 a.m. after pulling an all-nighter in college. And I'm just uh -huh. listening to some like very relaxing music. I'm utterly exhausted, but I've completed something. And you're just like without any worry in the world. You're just like, ah, look at the sunrise. Isn't it lovely? Um, and and you're, you're utterly tired. You're going to crash in a couple of hours. They, oh, yeah. that, that, that's going to be a hard requirement. Um, but it is a very, very tranquil experience. It's a really profound moment of peace of where you've accomplished everything you set out for. You have nothing looking before you other than sleep coming on the horizon. Yeah, it's, all, it's almost a poetic little moment you're sharing with yourself. Everything the light touches, Simba. <laughs> this is a Lion King thing. How long ago did you watch the Lion King? What? How long ago did you watch The Lion King? Was it like this morning before we were recorded? <laughs> I'm not that basic. No, it's been, I don't know why. I just uh, I've decided to to pivot to Spencer as Mufasa for the length of this podcast. So look out for the callback. Did James Earl Jones voice him in the newest version? Yep. Good. All right. I couldn't imagine it without him. Um. Okay. Who wants to go next with your on brand segment? Um, I'm going to go next. Uh, I, I was actually, well, thinking about telling part of this story for the next uh, episode, but I'll just do the whole thing now. So um, uh, one of the things that, that we've been talked about a little bit, um, Buffalo Trace is a very good distillery. They put out an incredible amount of uh, different whiskeys. They have a huge number of things in their portfolio. It's like 30 or 40 different spirits. Um, and I've been fairly committed to trying to track down some of the antique collection this year as, that I haven't in past years. Um, and uh, that basically means that you go to different liquor stores and talk to them and, and say like, hey, Um, and, um, my girlfriend was in town a couple of weeks ago and near uh, an Ethiopian place that I really liked that I hadn't had a chance. Um, we went there for lunch or dinner or something like that. And then there was, uh, it's in a slightly interesting part of, uh, one of the San Diego neighborhoods and there was a, and so we wandered around a little bit, looking at a couple of things. There was a cool butcher there, it's a liquor store that 
I asked them about, you know, the antique collection and uh, basically they called over the owner and the owner's like, oh, sure, like I should be getting some in and I'm more than happy to sell it to you. Okay, cool. Um, you know, just back. Who knows if he's actually getting any in. Um, anyway, so I figured I'd check back every so often and, and, and go in and I figured out that... Um, that liquor store is right next to a bar slash brewery that um, a friend or acquaintance, and now I guess we're getting to be more friends, does trivia on every Tuesday. So I figured two birds with one stone. I guess I'll start showing up to trivia and hanging out, and then I'll be in the area and I can go and check in the liquor store. And so essentially the only reason that I started going to trivia with this group of people that I've been going to, and it's been a lot of fun, was because I was already going to go to the area to check a liquor store to see if they were carrying a whiskey to buy. <laughs> BJ, we're so glad you could join us. Yeah, I'm really just here to check on the liquor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so the other half of this story is, I don't know if you've called on a semi-regular basis. It's something that I own in general and, and also like calling businesses. Um, I feel like I usually default to calling like Chinese restaurants and that's never like a functional experience just because the language barrier and like what I'm, the information mm -hmm. that I'm trying to get anyway. Um, but a new experience for me, which I find very weird, is calling liquor stores in not-so-great neighborhoods. Because usually they'll answer the phone instead of like, not hi, so this is, uh, you know, Pacific Liquors. They'll be like, hello? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, or my favorite was, who's this? <laughs> That's not like it's many so, calls. What? So, 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 BJ, you are experiencing the, the sort of like general reaction of people who are poor, which is like places that serve people who are poor. They're annoyed that you come by. They're annoyed yep. that that you're your customer. They're annoyed at the entire process, and they just want this to be done. So they there's no customer service. There's no hey, how are you doing? There's a, what? What do you want? You're interrupting me. Like there's there's a condescension that happens in these exchanges that is very very. Common. Oh my gosh. I've got a barbecue restaurant here that is almost like the soup Nazi level of mean. One day I had the audacity to ask for coleslaw on the side of a barbecue sandwich and just about got kicked out of the place. <laughs> he looked at me and went, you for real, man? I'm like, shit. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it, was a, it was a barbecue place near barbecue place near me that serves absolutely great food people travel for miles to go to it but it's similar to that of where it's in a bad part of town and it's just kind of a, a, you know, a yuppie reputation that people go into it that probably shouldn't be going into it went into it to order food at like you know 30 minutes before they closed uh and i walked in and the moment i opened the door they just yelled at me no we don't have any more food and just I turned around and left well that settles that thank you although my reaction to that is that i respect the barbecue place that is open, you know, from from what you know, eleven a.m. until whenever, until we run out, because because you can't just make it. Right? In that so, category of foods, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I, I I'm not as committed as you, but I have been calling liquors and. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's order in an ABC store kind of uh, 
place. So, I mean, and, and it's probably going to be a little bit more consistent, but um, like the funniest is places that'll ask me like what, what things I'm interested in, clearly write it down. And then I just like, all right, well, I'm going to ask my son who's like the main manager and we'll find out and then hang up and don't take my information. So, <laughs> a, like a list of things that they're going to talk to somebody about. And the nothing person like two times in a row is like twice and i know they just hate talking to me because i'm looking for something very specific rather than like hey i'm gonna come in and buy like 20 30 dollars of alcohol like every single time yeah that is somebody who just wants you off the phone like okay what do you want what do you want okay i don't have my name oh yeah what's your name <laughs> you're, you're not getting a call back um, okay, I can go next. Um, go ahead. I've got two, and they're both very, very on brand. So Levi might want to just check out here because the first one involves chimpanzees. So <laughs> uh, I was planning on going to the Game of Thrones concert next week in Atlanta. It's on Tuesday night. And so I took Tuesday and Wednesday off, and then I just got looking at it, and I was like, I've already seen this concert twice. The show is over. It's gonna, I'm, It's going to run me maybe up to a thousand dollars to get there, get a hotel, get the ticket, get dinner, all that stuff. Forget it. I'm just going to scrap it. But then I was like, well, I need to burn up some leave or I'm going to lose it at the end of the year. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tuesday and Wednesday. So I decided, well, what will I do? I'm going to go to the Asheville Zoo. Or, uh, sorry, Ashboro Zoo, which is the North Carolina Zoo. Actually a really, really large zoo for a state zoo. And in it, they have the largest um, family. So like familial unit of chimpanzees in the United States. I think it's like upwards of 30, 40 that are all in one group with one alpha, et cetera. And they recently gave birth to a young chimpanzee named Obi, uh, who is now like three, four months old, something like that. Starting to walk around, you know, leave its mother or whatever. And I learned about this and I, I, and poor Sarah, I just went on this rant about we should never be breeding chimpanzees in zoos because you can never release them back into the wild. So basically all you're doing is breeding an animal that you're going to have to keep in a zoo for 50 or 60 years. There's an astronomical financial commitment that, I mean, even the state can't necessarily sign up to in mass. So I find it to be irresponsible. So I'm ranting and raving about this. And she goes, oh, okay, well, what are you going to do on Tuesday? And then, you know, clearly they've pissed you off. I was like, oh, no, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go sit in front of the, the thing and watch Obi for like three hours, but this is irresponsible. I just want to be on record. So what inter so would you prefer they like put chimpanzees on birth control? Are you for like chem chemical sterilization or uh, try and train them to use protection? Like where, where, do, where do you fall on this? The, <laughs> the, the, the banana with the banana. Yeah. Uh, no, I I'm, I'm down with uh, ineffectively neutering the males. Uh, I think that's, that's fine. I mean, you don't, Again, you can when a chimpanzee is not like a lot of other endangered animals where you can breed them and then eventually move them out into the wild to help, you know, reestablish populations. They can never go out in the wild. So this is just an animal that's going to be in captivity for 50 years. But I was that did not have the moral compunction to put my foot down and not go. So I will be financially contributing to this whole venture. So like a parrot or a tortoise. Yeah, something like that. Question. I, I don't actually don't know this about zoos, particularly the Astro Zoo, but are the animals expected to be returned to the wild? Aren't they basically just there for the purpose of our amusement? 
So it, there's a couple, it depends on the animal is the answer, but there are some animals where large zoo operations like the Ashboro Zoo will breed them and then, you know, work with companies that will eventually move them into the wild. And so the point of the breeding is to reestablish populations in the wild. Um, not always perfect, but with some animals, you can do it. Chimps, however, you just simply cannot ever, they can never go. They've never learned how to forage for food. They've never learned how to work, live in a society with wild chimpanzees. So there's there's no chance they're ever going to go anywhere. And they live a pretty long time. I mean, 50, 60 years for an animal. Okay. So this, this largest troop in the country it, it exists and has been bred for the purpose of a tourist attraction. It, there's no, no ever hope of re using that to put back in the wild. They can never go back out in the wild. Not all of them have been bred there. A lot of them were rescued. Um, from either animal research laboratories like the stuff that BJ does, uh, it's heartless and soulless, uh, or you know the pet trade. So, it, they don't have like chimp halfway houses or anything like that where they they can slowly train them. No place where red was here is scrolled by the doorway. Yeah, pretty much. And they've ever tried to do it. The the chimp that got released died very quickly. Um, so Spencer, also to your point, um, I think it's really dependent on the zoo, how much money that they have and like what they're associated with. Um, so the San Diego Zoo. I know research. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, Rhino IVF, um, which apparently is complicated thing for a whole host of reasons, not the least of which is they're just massive animals and dealing with them just in general is, is difficult. Um, a lot of poop. Yeah, uh, that too. Um, but apparently they are trying to like reintroduce uh, white rhinos, breed them and reintroduce them to the wild. And I think they were successful IVF uh, with some of the stuff they have. And so they have, whichever one is actually extinct, they have a reasonable amount of stock. And so presumably in the next like 10 years, they'll probably be starting to try and breed them and then maybe reintroduce them. Yep. All right, so that's my first one that uh, I have no real moral compunction. Um, I'm going to still go and see this animal and pay money to do so. The second is we went to Asheville last weekend a couple weekends ago. And uh, I went to a place called White Duck Taco, which if you've ever been in Nashville, you need to go to. They do really interesting, funky, weird tacos. And so it got my mind spinning on, okay, I'm going to create the weirdest taco that Sarah's ever had. So last night, here's what I cooked up for. This was, uh, I made my tortillas. I, uh, with the On the tortilla is a bed of pimento cheese flavored grits with flash fried cauliflower. Oh, no, sorry, broccoli, flash fried broccoli, um, roasted lamb, pickled onions, and a roasted tomato crema sauce. And Sarah just ate it and looked at me and said, I just don't know how your brain works. They taste it, but would have gone with cauliflower rather than broccoli um, just because of the bitterness of it. But it does sound interesting. And I do do very much wonder how your brain works. Um, <laughs> the, um, I was there not too long ago for a friend's bachelor party and we hid his, uh, we had somebody had printed out like uh, essentially paper mask. So it's like a, a 
his face with like a, a little wooden paddle on the back. Um, and we hid those throughout Asheville, like in the different bars and restaurants that we went to. And so what Duck Taco in the back and one of the tables, like we just put his picture. Um, so when I was there, like a week or so after, a couple of weeks after, a lot of his stuff was uh, still in those places. I sort of wonder just like how long the crap in the under the glass of those tables just stays there. I looked for it. I went in the back because you told me about that. I didn't see it, but I don't know the guy's face, so yeah. I don't know. But anyway, that caused me to make possibly the weirdest taco. And and soup to nuts took me about four hours because I had to roast the lamb, had to make the tortillas. <laughs> real good. It was real good. It's better than you might think. Um, I kind of pan. Uh, I, I, bo I boiled the broccoli first, so I didn't have to fry it that long to get a good crisp and, and have it cooked all the way through. And uh, and I think grits on a taco is kind of a revelation. I'm going to try that again. It does sound quite interesting. Um, actually, one of my favorite, uh, per, well, muscles to taco is heart. I really like how how lean and flavorful. It's just always been like a fun fun muscle. I've done like both beef and lamb heart, and they've been super tasty. Mm hmm. It does sound good. All right, Spencer Pants. All right. Uh, well, I mentioned on a prior podcast, we think we we're discussing 10 out of 10 experiences. And one of the things we mentioned for 10 out of 10 vacation experiences for me was that day I wake up in the morning with nothing else to do other than decide for myself that today I shall make a sandcastle. Well, a week and a half ago, I got to have my today I got to make a sandcastle day. Where yeah. We did our <laughs> annual vacation uh, with the family. We just cluster on a beach off North Carolina. Uh, and it's just a chance for me to see my family again once a year or whatever else and enjoy the beach, enjoy having nothing to do each day. And so I get to wake up, go out and make a sandcastle. What made this experience different though was that um, I've got a nephew and niece and the nephew now is up to three years old, which means he is, you know, mobile and interactive, which also means that he has an instinctual desire to, desire to destroy all things that I make ever. Yeah. Uh, so... I always feel awkward, you know, trying to discipline other people's children, even if they're my own family. Uh, and I'm particularly bad with this kid because three, if I look at him wrong, he starts to cry, particularly if I ever just try to tell him no. So my effort to try to build a sandcastle was essentially spending about six hours retreating to various parts of the beach to avoid this kid so I could keep on trying to make the sandcastle that I'd come to the damn beach for. Uh, which always failed. This kid, no matter where I was going, no matter what time of the day it was, no matter if he was no longer even on the beach anymore, would just conjure himself out of nowhere and destroy everything that I had created. Uh, what? He, he would... It would be... I would spend like three hours making the best sandcastle, having a blast with it, monitoring the surf, building walls to keep the surf in play, drawing in the necessary amount of water so I could do this. It's a full-on enterprise. And then at hour three on the nose like a speeding bullet having seen me from the deck of the house run down and just throw himself laughing in the middle of the castle. And, Sounds like a little shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you need to discipline this kid. You know, I, yeah, seriously. You know, tell him no and he'd cry and run away and my sister would give him a, you know, a little lecture and whatever else. And he'd stop for a while and she'd help me rebuild the castle until he'd get distracted and return and destroy it again. Uh, and this went on for enough hours that I was getting frustrated enough and exactly what the parameters were for me dealing with the 
year-old, but I just kind of retreated to the surf for a while, gave up and came back to the house. And so, you know, what? What? Palisades? I built a variety <laughs> of destructions. I was building distractions. I built distraction castles over to the side to buy time so I could make the main castle. About, like, legit perimeter defense, like sharpened sticks and... Oh, he would <laughs> fail himself, and that would be a thing. Um, He'd learn his lesson real quick. Oh, no. It led to a wonderful conversation with my dad, though, because you guys have met my dad, and he's um, every aspect of sarcasm I know I learned from him. Uh, and I'm up there on the beach, I'm talking with him, and my, my nephew walks up, and my dad looks at him and says, uh, his name is, his name is uh, Santiago, so we call him Santi. Santi, did you see the dinosaur that was on the beach? He kept on running into castles and knocking them over. And what's fun with a three-year-old is they don't get sarcasm yet. Sarcasm starts like age five. At three, everything is literal. And so he was told this, and his eyes went wide, and he looked at my, my dad and just said, why would he do that? It's so mean. And I'm just looking at this kid going, oh, man, this is going to be a fun conversation in a couple of years. As he ran to his mom, my sister, and said, mom, mom, there was a dinosaur on the beach, and he was being really mean. I'm just old man. My answer. Oh dear Christ! You have no perspective on self yet. So the on-brand nature of this is that you allowed the kid to keep doing this. Is that the on-brand? Pretty, pretty much. This is on-brand of where me, in an effort to avoid confrontation and making a kid cry and that being a thing, I spent several hours trying to find ways to avoid a three, my three-year-old nephew. It really annoys me because uh, I would. You told us about the sandcastle building, and I was like. I was all in on that. Like I, I, I said to Sarah multiple times, I'm like, it's Wednesday. I don't know if he did sandcastles yet. I don't know. My family knows this too. So my sister was helping me build another sandcastle with me. My brother-in-law was distracting the child building, you know, the various other sandcastles to distract him. Cause they, they try to have conversations with him and explain things out, which works yes and no with respect to a three-year-old. And after he knocked over the last one that I'd spent hours just building and setting up, I, my sister looked at me with just utter pity as I just stopped, got up, and walked into the ocean. With them having a vague concern, I was just not going to come back. Did you put heavy rocks in your pockets? No, I had a contemplation. I, I thought with myself, had that conversation, and just walked back and talked to my dad. And, you know, I got to build a variety of sandcastles over the trip, but it was a relatively tortured enterprise compared to what I'm usually used to. So do you have, like, your own brightly colored plastic... Uh like mini shovel and, and, and bucket, or is this a uh, somehow more like you have like specifically tools crafted that you've bought on like Etsy for, for this uh, endeavor. <laughs> it makes for a much more real experience. If I'm clawing at the dirt. The tools there, there, there is, there is nothing beyond me and the elements that uh, enjoy this particular experience. All right. So you had the sandcastle drama. What else did you do on your vacation? Little is humanly tends to be the goal of this particular kind of trip. That we went to, I'll test your knowledge of the coast of North Carolina for those of you who grew up in that area. Are you familiar with where either Holden Beach or Ocean Isle Beach are? Ocean Isle, I don't know Holden Beach. Right next to it. Ocean Isle is a little bit more popular. So it's, it's, it's one of those barrier islands that's directly south of Wilmington. Um, and so it's purposely as remote as possible. Once you get to that area, there is not much to be found. Ocean Isle is a little bit more developed. Holden is purposefully a few houses, a stretch of beach, and not much there. And going after a hurricane, you get more. They're the token gas station. What? They're the token gas station. Those little beach communities are always funny to me. It's always like a bunch of a bunch of cottages, one road, 
and then like a convenience store. There is the general store at the end of, at the end of the strand <laughs> of beach, which sells everything that you could possibly imagine. It's got milk next to sunscreen, next to you know paddle boards. Uh, there's a series of restaurants that are further down the way, and the one gas station in the entire town. That kind of thing. Uh, what made it a fun trip this time around, though, was that a hurricane had just struck the area recently before, which luckily they dodged the work. They dodged it almost entirely, which was great. Um, we were really worried about the people around there because we've, we've been going for like seven or so years, so we're pretty, we know a lot of the people in the area. And because the hurricane had been in the area, the area was utterly unoccupied. And when I got out there the first day, I think I texted you, Lee, that I looked left and I looked right, and there were like three people as far as you can see, miles down the beach. And those three people were just kind of looking over the area to see if there had been any damage. That was about it. Which sounds lovely, by the way. Yeah, and that's part of the reason I enjoy going. Where people say, you live down in Florida, why do you go to the beach up in North Carolina? It's the purpose of there not being people. Just a family and a chance to detox from the rest of the world. Also, any chance you get to exit purgatory seems like a good one. You know, it is... There are perks to going up to an area where it's a nice, comfortable 80 degrees and not 100% humidity. That's a nice way to spend a summer. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I thoroughly enjoyed, um, after junior and senior year, we went to Carolina Beach, which is uh, sort of right near there. And um, geographically very close, but it looks like it's much harder. It's, like, really south rather than uh, a little bit west of there and just like the amount of no one being on a beach was just really incredible um, i would say similar to some of the more like private areas in florida um but that that's like uh where my cousin is in sunny isles like on rare it's not like a massive public beach where there are hotels and stuff like that. And so it's definitely like a much better experience, I would say, than like most beach vacations sort of tend to be. We've, we've become such a globalized world that for me, a vacation is getting away from people rather than experiencing the, the uh, teeming mass. And it can get hard nowadays. Where most over there. What'd you say? Real extrovert over there. <laughs> you know me. This is about as extrovert as I get the fact in this podcast that's fair I, I was gonna say i think my favorite thing about like this whole vacation and getting away from people and doing very little is that you don't read when you do very little i do it's just not the things that you want me to for the sake of this podcast <laughs> not this one not this I, read, I, I don't i don't give out assignments on my pods I'm like the entirety of the second book of broken earth and very much enjoyed it but we probably will never talk about that in a podcast that's true um, but yeah, I thought it was really funny because like we we were talking about doing a, a podcast shortly after you got back, and it's just like I I didn't do any of the reading. It's like Spencer, you're on vacation for a week, like what reading to do while you're at the beach, or apparently have a Sisyphean task of attempting to make a sandcastle. Well, I, I still think rolled up to like his waist and and giving him snacks and stuff like that. Again, he's got parents and they're there. It'd be a conversation that I don't want to have. You know, the, the story of me is the avoidance of drama. And so my way of trying to avoid <laughs> drama was fleeing a three-year-old to build structures on a beach. Does the kid uh, have a pet? The family have a pet? Uh, they have two dogs. And the dogs. Yep. Threaten the dogs? Yeah, that gets through to little kids. Yeah, hashtag on. You mess with... 
You mess with my sandcastle again, I'm gonna kill your dog. I mean, also, <laughs> that story would be shared <laughs> on brand for you, Spencer. I mean, like this this wouldn't be a surprise. I don't threaten the murder of dogs. I just complain about my own. It's dogs. different categories. You just revel you and enjoy dogs. like them being killed on screen. Apparently, right here, he's happy. I'm not murdering this dog. You know, we've been doing this podcast yeah. for over a year now. The dog has not <laughs> died yet. Oh, talking about pets. Uh, we took my all three of my pets, so I have two cats and one dog, to the vet all at one appointment, which was a sort of epic thing. Levi, you would have been so proud of your favorite cat. She <laughs> hissed at the receptionist. She hit and scratched the veterinarian, and she hid under a bench uh, the entire time until I had to like grab her and hold her down for a shot. So on very on brand for Picasso. <laughs> Super on brand for Picasso. That cat is really terrible. I feel like more on brand would, would be like, rubbed up against the vet as soon as the vet reached for her hissed clawed like bit and, and all of those because i guess my issue with picasso is not that picasso gets angry or or violent it's that like I pet me and as soon as you make any move to do any of those things it's just like i am going to kill you yeah, she will bait you. She was she was too flummoxed to do any of that at the vet. But it was kind of funny, though, because she hit the vet and I went to stop her. And the vet said, OK, maybe we just don't touch her. Maybe you can kind of get sit down and let her just have a moment. And I was like, mm, yeah, OK, you you think you know more about my cat than I do. OK, I'll sit in the corner. Let's see how that goes. And then Picasso just got way worse. And then the vet had to say, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Could you come up and, and maybe um, talk to her? Talk to her. That seems to help. <laughs> Also, why aren't we doing that as your on brand of the week of just like <laughs> awful things that Picasso has done? No, just like okay, that yeah, I think you know the cat better. That's fine. Don't don't trust me. Okay, you've got your book learning. That's fine. I've been out in the streets. Go ahead. Good luck. Um... That's exactly what I did. I knew exactly what was going to happen. That the only reason she hadn't gone to a fifteen is because I was there with her, and that to put me on the bench was stupid. But anyway, she figured it out pretty quick. Actually, that's really funny. My girlfriend has been teaching classes on like how to deal with clients and talk to them like about their their pets, their animals, and and dealing with them in in, in a setting. So I'd be actually interested what she she is telling the uh, upcoming class of uh, NC State on how to deal with things like that. See see if correctly. Well, it was interesting though because I think she would once she figured out that like. Picasso really needed me to like settle to, for her to settle down even enough to finish the appointment. She became really apologetic and like went over the top and was like, you, you are such a good cat dad. And I see you bonded with her so well. So I think she got a little self-conscious after she figured out she misread the situation. <laughs> dad over here, Levi. Okay. God, I, I hate that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so I had one more segment the pod that that I wanted to do that I did bring up um, and may have spoiled it, but I think I'm going to change it a little bit. So Spencer can't be a, an asshole, which is um, what's the most recent thing or things in the past couple of months that you've spent uh, like $100 or more on? And the way I'm going to couch this and make Spencer not able to, to be an asshole is it can't be an experience. It has to be like a thing that you have added. Oh, the to... hell. That's right, Spencer. Yeah. Um, that you've added to like your collection of stuff that um, whatever it is. And and I, I think that the, the caveat that uh, Lee and Levi that you had was no shoes. I kind of do want to hear about your uh, shoe purchase because 
Spencer probably hasn't spent more than like 30 bucks on shoes in the past like 10 years. So, um, but, but just sort of in general, like what, what's something that you've purchased recently and like, you know, if there's any story behind it and, um, whatever else, and, and I'm happy to go first. And I feel like this also lines up to a certain extent with my hashtag on brand. Um, so I guess my two things, and I, honestly, I was really hoping um, because the antique collection was released recently that I would have been able to say whiskey, but, but, um, so the last two things that I spent, a uh, reasonable amount of money on is, is a, a knife and a, uh, set of earbuds. Um, and so, so yeah, I got a folding knife that I'd been looking at for, for quite a while. And I discovered something kind of a little bit weird about Spyderco. Um, which is a fairly well-known uh, knife brand that apparently actually started out uh, producing essentially like a third hand for like soldering and, and things like that. And so that's why they have the spider as their logo because they made a bunch of different like arms that you could manipulate for, for doing different projects. Um, and I have no idea how they like completely pivoted 180 to, to producing knives, um, but but yeah, that was one of my purchases. Basically, there was a cool locking mechanism that I wanted to see and play around with and and take a look at. Uh, so that them. the other one was uh, a set of uh, wireless earbuds that that I'd been looking at for quite a while um, to supplement my noise canceling headphones and all those other things because sort of I get to uh, listen to music and stuff at work and at the gym and and all of those things. So those were my like researched and um, I actually uh, helped beta test these. Uh, so I actually knew that, that I kind of like them. And and so um, while I don't purchase things all of that often after spending, you know, weeks of that thing that I want, I finally was like, yep, that's what I want. I'm going to wait and uh, get it at some point. So those are my uh, things that I've added to my collection of, of stuff recently. And Spencer, I love that you're shaking your head because um, I, I am so curious how far back you're going to have for, for this. I am struggling. Uh, but yeah, turn it over to uh, you guys, Lee and, and Levi. And, uh... I'm interested to hear Levi's considering he's been outfitting a new apartment. Yeah, I was going to say I have to I have to mentally go through the Rolodex of things to exclude outfitting a new, new apartment because that doesn't count, right? Like buying a couch. I mean, unless you kind of go overboard, right? Like I would think if you, yeah. you bought something that you really didn't have to buy as nice a thing as you did, right? That could maybe yeah, count. Like a motorized recliner or something like that with like built-in massage. I want to know about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, me too. In that vein, um, so I mean – the the couch we got is definitely nicer than what we, we, we could have minim the minimum viable product for that. Um, but I've been trying to convince my girlfriend that we should buy things that we really like, not things that just, you know, fill the space and, and do the, the job at a minimal level. Um, so we got a really nice couch and, and we're very happy about that. Um, I mean, that was over a hundred dollars. The rug was over a hundred dollars, like spare bed, our bed. Now, the one thing I will say, um, and I don't think I've, mention this on the podcast but so we went to buy a mattress um and we 
bought a mattress from Mattress Firm because we wanted a national brand so they can do delivery in Boston so we didn't have to get it delivered in North Carolina and then us drive it up. Um, so we wanted to have logistics taken care of. Mattress Firm. Um, and we ended up buying a pretty bougie mattress. And when we're going for the base, um, um, the base of the mattress, uh, it turned out that box springs were as expensive as buying a mechanical base. So going with a mechanical base, which now I've got a, a bed like an old person, which raises his head and his feet, um, because it was the same price. Now, now it, it is the same price. Now we, we will move at some point, right? We're probably not going to live here until we die. Um, so this heavy thing has to be hauled out of here and it is heavy. It's like 250 pounds. Um, but even, even I'll help. Even bougie. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll get professional movers there, but thank you. Um, but even even crazier is so we got this 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 mechanical base, which is pretty nice. Um, it was supposed to be delivered on like a a Saturday, I think it was. Um, and Friday evening, I got a call from mattress firm, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't have your base, so we got two options for you." You get a more bougier one, uh, and it gets delivered tomorrow, or you get the one you you ordered, and it takes another month. I think I know what answer you're going to give, and so we got even bougier of a of a mechanical base, which I think has more like preset settings. Um, so we've now got a very very much an old person bed, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's nice. I like it. Um, so that I mean that obviously costs more than a hundred dollars. Like the old person bed, like that that makes a hundred like sense a hundred percent. Sounds like a better bed. Well, also, like, are you going to go back? Like, if you move, are you going to stay with the old person bed? Because I, I have this, like, itching in the back of my head that's like, yeah, I'm just not going to go back. Like, eh, I like it. Here's the use case. So uh, we haven't done a ton of experimentation with the the, the various levels of the feet and the head. Uh, like, it's, it's pretty nice in the morning to have, like, you know, uh, have your head incline because I tend to like get up at like let's say 6 a.m. and then like check my email, check on some work things till about 6:30. So it's to be sort of in an elevated position there rather than than laying on your bed. Does it have uh, like a one of those like wake up uh, light alarms where it like slowly gets brighter, where it like slowly no 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 <laughs> does not have that. Um, Ooh, but um, the only so for me the value is very minimal. For my girlfriend, I think the value is a bit more because she has problems sleeping and I sleep um, pretty solidly. Um, and there are times when I'm sick or when I've had, I, when I've perhaps been overserved by people where I may serve or, 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 or may, may snore. Um, and so raising my head there will help alleviate some of that. Um, but for me personally, I don't really care. It's makes her happy. I don't really care. Um, Back to the original question of something that like I didn't have to quote unquote buy, um, but I wanted to. Um, I've been slowly working on building out an array of colder weather gear um, because I will need that in this area. Um, in in North Carolina, I had a pretty light jacket, and I pretty much wore that. That that was my winter jacket. Um, so I recently have bought a a. A nice little fleece that'll keep me warm in the sort of fall months and then i need to work on buying an actual cold weather jacket a proper jacket um which none of us spencer uh terry terry you may have known may have, may have purchased something half decent in in, in dc um did mm, do you think it's cold yeah spencer you probably have never had a a proper winter jacket 
winter clothing anymore. It's awkward even to go see you guys over New Year's because I have to scrounge together what few scraps I have remaining. I'm, I know this isn't the case because you're a lawyer, but I was just hoping that you only had like, um, like Bahama shirts, like Hawaiian theme, just like just tropical gear. <laughs> Not with tropical print, but yes, that is the majority of the attire I have now. Could you wear a tropical print suit? Have one. I could wear it in the court in Miami and no one would bat an eye. What about seersucker? Can we get you a seersucker suit? Would, would that fit in there? In West Palm, a little bit north of me, it would fit fine certain times of the year, but I would get lectures from certain very southern judges about when seersucker is appropriate and when it is not. Ooh. No, right after Labor Day. Very much that. Interesting. Uh, Spencer, do you have one? As BJ correctly deduced from my increasingly frantic expressions, I've currently browsed through my last year of Amazon purchases to find a single purchase of over $100 that I made, uh, and there aren't any. So, eliminating experiences, I'm struggling with this. I even pulled up my bank page to find my largest expenditures and my three largest expenditures over the course of the last like six months don't qualify under the course of the limits that you've set. Um, I was going to say, I can add like a, another thing that, that I guess technically fits within those bounds and is about as hashtag on brand as, as possible, which is every so often um, uh, some grocery stores local to me have basically these deals where you get like some amount off if you buy gift cards. And so I'll buy like cards and do like two or three of them essentially in a single purchase. Like it nets me more money than otherwise. And then, so when I'm buying You've like- always been like a Jedi with gift cards. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm buying like stuff at, at like the liquor stores or whatever, whatever else, like I'll use, like some random ass amount. Um, and I almost always buy my campus parking with a gift card because it, it's always like your dollars. And then, I, and then furthermore, I discovered that Visa gift cards you can use to buy Amazon money, but you can't do it with math. So I have to go through this whole other like pathway and set of things to do with like the remaining like dollars on MasterCard gift cards, which is just pissed me off to no end. You've always, yeah, I've, I've heard you do this a few times where you're like, yeah, there's some way to game the gift card system that you like net yourself a buck 50 or something. Yep. Very hashtag on brand for me. Figured uh, I'd throw that in, but, but Spencer, like just... Spencer doesn't have anything. Oh, no, I mean, I can do, I can, I mean, you guys know me. I, as Lee, as you've loved to make fun of me, I am exceptionally cheap. Very cheap. And that carries through for me buying things. Majority of what I spend my money on are what BJ has labeled experiences or flights and travel. I'm seeing you guys, I'm seeing family, things along those lines. Looking at my largest expenditures or even expenditures over $100 over the last month, ignoring food, um, it is buying, uh, getting a replacement air compressor for my car. I don't think that qualifies. Um, it does, but it's lame. Yeah. Uh, Going hang gliding doesn't qualify. Um, loaning a friend money definitely doesn't qualify. I mean, if, I, if I'm reaching back, the most recent splurge I did on a thing, because I don't really don't buy items that much. The, this laptop I'm right now recording on. 
where, and that was, I think, eight months ago of where I decided <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed playing video games, whatever else. And my last laptop was practically catching fire and melting through the, my, you know, my stand whenever I was trying to use it. So I decided I was going to go buy a replacement gaming laptop. And even then, I bought a pretty, a very impressive top-line gaming laptop. I still bought it at Costco, so I don't think that counts. Uh, where I still found the cheapest way possible I could get it. Did you have to buy five? Have to buy five. It was on a very temporary special where they had bought a pallet of the things that were a top-line gaming laptop that was really the best I could find with the money, and so I bought that. Spencer, I, I, I think you're misunderstanding what referring to right we're not telling you to just throw money away we're not saying that it, you know pay 800 at costco rather than pay 2000 at best buy uh we're, we're making fun of the fact that you don't spend the 800 at costco that's that's the problem um <laughs> yep yeah it, it's just really not part of my regular routine or even just exceptions i mean i really i as bj's been doing this since i've been increasingly just shaking my head i was browsing through my credit card charges over the last months trying to find anything that would work and this is the closest thing i can find like eight months in the past where i bought this laptop i'm talking to you guys on really funny juxtaposed against probably over the past couple of months not there's been very few single transactions on my credit card that have been less than a hundred dollars <laughs> All right, I'll go, and then we can wrap up uh, part one of this episode. Uh, I actually, it might surprise you guys, I'm having trouble here. Um, I haven't bought shoes in probably six, eight months, something like that. Um, honestly, I, I we've been trying to save money, which is why I've canceled some trips. Uh, I've bought some things for experiences, one of which I'm going to talk about in the next episode, which is the whiskey tasting. That was really interesting. Uh, I give money away. I, do a lot of given to either political candidates or organizations I like or whatever. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that. Uh, I think probably the last thing that may qualify um, that it wasn't something that I bought and then subsequently gave away is the laptop I'm on. Uh, I know it's the same thing Spencer said, but it's actually a funny story because we recorded our review podcast of episode two of season eight of game of Thrones and I lost it. And we again, and I lost it. And in a fit of anger, I went out and bought this laptop to make sure it didn't happen again. And it hasn't happened since then. You literally stopped and said, I'm going to buy a laptop now, I'll be back. And texted me throughout the experience of going to get the laptop to return so we could record. Yep, just when I, because I, I, the last one was just so old, it kept, you know, crashing and deleting the file. So I was like, the hell was it? So I went to Microsoft Store and got this nice Surface that I'm using now. It's funny you mentioned shoes of where I checked because I recently bought dress shoes and hoped that they would qualify so I'd have something to say. And no, they were $76, so they did not work. So I couldn't even use shoes. Spencer, Spencer, you need to buy better dress shoes. You do. I, I can wear them. They're comfy. <laughs> oh, I, I got the nice inset soles. Inset soles. <laughs> God, you're 140 years old. <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to hit on before we wrap up this part one? I think we're uh, things that we need to. I agree. This was good. Good whiskey, Levi. I'm interested to try the next one. Anything we want to hit on as far as plugs on the way out, BJ? Uh, yeah. Uh, so continuing with our pottering around. Um, as well as reading Station Eleven, supposedly. Gonna happen.
uh, going through that read of uh, Harry Potter, and we're oh, probably about a third of the way into the first book. And it's been a, uh, a riot. It's been a lot more fun uh, going through it than, than the first time I read it. So, so that's been a lot of fun. And then uh, I hear tell, supposedly, uh, Mangum Lofts is uh, m making a triumphant return. And so I'll be excited to uh, do that a little bit more regularly with you. Yeah, that's right. We're going to post an episode this coming week, which will be well into the past by the time you actually hear this, uh, where uh, BJ and I reviewed Sticks and Stones with Dave Chappelle's uh, newest special. And then also me and Spencer Pants are going through succession. Spencer now understands the show. He gets that it's a comedy. He's in the mindset with me. Three Drink Minimum, Mangum Talks TV. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Enjoyed this. The other thing that that is i'm thoroughly amused that you're getting spencer to more than once a weekend drink before noon that's my favorite thing about that podcast 9 30 in the morning for our last episode that was funny though because then spencer followed up he's like so when do you want to do this regularly and i was like i don't know saturday morning works for me and he's like could we do it a little later <laughs> it's like oh yeah well shit sorry yeah absolutely we should <laughs> all right cool i enjoyed this episode this is part one of an episode of September 22nd. Thanks, you guys.